if you'll take your Bibles and turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. We'll read the first seven verses together, and then um, my remarks will just be on verse 7. We'll do just a verse 7. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things that are seen are not made by things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaks. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had a, his, this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not yet, not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. So every once in a while I'm going to um, kind of go away from John and just look at some of these by faiths in chapter 11 of Hebrews. We've already looked at one. Uh, a month or so ago, we did, uh, by faith, uh, Moses uh, kept the Passover. We did one already. So this is the second one I've picked, by faith, Noah being warmed of God. So when you look at it uh, and you talk about faith, you think about faith as being something that you have, a possession that you have, some kind of a skill that you have, some ability or capacity that you have. Uh, faith is commended. In fact, this entire chapter, it, the reason why it starts by faith is because these people have a com commendation by God. God has commended them, and he's commended them for their faith. But I would also be very easy for me to simply say, well, yeah, good for them. They have faith. I don't. Um, they were the big guys, and I'm just a little guy. But faith is not something that actually exists on its own. Faith is something that's rooted in something else. So faith is something that is true of all of God's children. It's not something that the super saints have that other people do not have. It's not something itself. It's not the faith that's commended. It's the faith in something that's commended. And that is a that seems very subtle, but it's absolutely the most important thing. It's uh, this, this, this whole society has no problem with faith. And to jump out them by faith and have faith, um, that is a false gospel. Because just having faith doesn't mean anything. Having faith in something trustworthy is what is necessary. So it is trust, it's trusting God for something that God said that was God's idea that God has commanded us to look at. And when a person takes that seriously, that is faith. Faith is something, something not in itself, but something in something else. And that's, 
That is what God does time after time after time. This is a New Testament book that every one of those, those verses are calling your attention back to something in the Old Testament that all of God's people had known about and studied and understood what had happened and God was showing them that really what they were doing is relying on God each time. That is what's commendable. Okay, so if you were to just extract all of the, the modifiers in this verse, which is an awesome verse, my goodness, one verse is so packed, I would just pull out and say, by faith, Noah prepared an ark. By faith, Noah prepared an ark, that he did something. And there, there, that also is commendable because he did something based upon the faith that he had in God. Something God did caused him to trust God and that trust in God changed his trajectory. He did something that he would have otherwise not done or something that no one else occurred to them to do. Something happened, and it's from God. So it is always from him, to, through him, to him. Okay, that, there's, a, there's a Pauline uh, uh, doxology. From him, through him, to him are all things. So God is the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the one who starts it, and he's the one who makes it happen as, we, as he sanctifies us, makes our hearts more likely to trust him and then more likely to do something with what you're trusting him for. And then as you are doing things, then, as, then there will be effects. And those effects are the ones that are dazzling. The effects are there was a, there was a boat when there, it had never rained. That, that's an effect. That's, that's remarkable. Why would there be a ship big enough for not just a family, but a family uh, plus animals that, that even now, if you were to go, ahead, go with God's uh, directions, you couldn't even flip that boat. In a, in, a, in a hurricane, it wouldn't have flipped because of just how it was built, uh, and God did that. God prepared him. So I want you to, in this, in this message, really concentrate on but, but Noah, being warned of God, did something. That God did something that made Noah be something that then he was commendable for. It's a work of God in our hearts. You have to start there, and you end there. Salvation is of the Lord. Uh, I don't know how many places in the Psalms specifically it says that directly. Salvation is of the Lord. Okay, uh, Psalm 3, this is Psalm 62. Truly my soul waits upon God, for him comes my salvation. My waiting is called faith. To wait on God, this idea that God is the one that's doing something, I'm not doing it. It's not me having faith. It is me trusting God, and that is called faith. But there isn't anything in me. It's, a, it's invisible and can't touch it. It's intangible because faith is simply trusting God who is already there, telling me to do something, and then when I act on, in obedience, that's called faith. That's what's commendable. So this is from Ephesians 2, which is you know, com completely well known. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, when I read that, I, I want to say that it's the faith that was given to me. Because I believe that's a true statement. I just can't prove it from this verse. Because when you take this verse, for grace you have been saved through faith. And not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Well, because of the way English works, 
I say the gift has to refer back to the very latest thing that you saw, which in this sentence has to be faith. The noun that's closer to gift is faith. So when I read the sentence, I immediately say, it's by grace you've been saved through faith, and that faith is not of yourself, it's the gift of God. So I would love to be able to say, God gives you the, the faith in order for you to do something with, because I believe that is actually true. I don't think this verse says, I can't support it, because the gift actually goes back to the word salvation. Being saved is a noun here as well. It's not in, this, in the English translation, but being saved is a concept that is equal to the idea of the gift. God's salvation is your gift. But I'm, like, I'm just like, as I was frustrated with that, I was like, oh, it doesn't say what I want it to say. You have to be really careful making the Bible say what it want, you want it to say. Be very careful, okay? You did not write it. You, you don't make it say what you want it to say, even though you say, well, that's true. I truly believe it. So I just looked other places, okay? This is Romans, this is Romans 12. For I say through the grace given to me, this is Paul speaking, that to every man that's among you, not to think more highly of him himself than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man a measure of faith. So faith is something God assigns to you. And it's something that you might start off very, very small to where you could look at a person's life and say, he has no faith at all. God must have assigned him a teaspoon's worth of faith. But that doesn't mean that that person will not actually be known for his faith. If Noah did nothing else in his whole life except build an ark to the saving of his family, he will be known as like the giant of faith because he acted upon what God did. So a person, a person is commended upon simply obeying God no matter what wobbly life that person has. I think all of us will have a wobbly life. Just look at your life. It's wobbly. I'm positive. I don't know it because you're really good at hiding your wobbles. I'm very good at hobbling, uh, hiding my wobbles. But you hide your wobbles just so that you're not ashamed all the time. But God sees them, and God still thinks of you well. A person who is God's, he does not think, in, he's, he doesn't despise you. He sees what you can be. He looks at Peter, and he calls him a rock. And he does the same with you. So uh, faith is not something that's a commodity that you braggy about. It's not a braggable thing because faith is something that has to do with God, not me. Okay, It would be like me bragging on the sun because I can see it. Like I'm bragging on myself because I can see the sun. It has nothing to do with me. I'm just looking through my eyes to the sun and I can see it. Faith is very much like that. It's not something of itself. It's only something tr trusted in something that is more permanent and that is God himself. So God assigns faith to us. This is Hebrews 12 in the next chapter at, from where we are. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and set down at the right hand of, God, of the throne of God. So it's only through the work of Jesus and Jesus on the cross, the only work of that, that our faith can even begin. There is no faith there unless he is the author of our faith. He's the one that makes faith possible. And then, then you can grow, and then you can develop, then you can be strengthened. And, and it's not that you will never be commended. There is commendation. As you live your life, you will be used by God in other people's lives. That's, that's beautiful commendation. 
Would you love to come to the throne of God knowing that it was your life that made someone willing to trust the Lord? That, what joy would that be? What joy? And what a terrible, terrible, terrible sadness. I don't know if it's possible to be sad in God's presence. I don't think it is. But to know that you didn't have anything to give him. The Bible throughout the Old Testament over and over again says you come before me not empty-handed. You do not come before me with nothing to offer. So for me to stand before God and have nothing to offer, knowing that it was him who did it, but to know that you lived in such a way that someone was more likely to trust God than they were, what a joy that would be. What a joy that would be. I would love that. So it is only God that does that. Now, how did God, here's my question for this message, how did God build faith in Noah? And what are the steps of that formation of his faith? That's what I'd like to see from this verse. Okay? So this verse says, By faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not yet seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which the com- he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness, which is by faith. That's what we're going to look at. So I wrote down, God warned Noah. He warned him. And that makes me immediately stop. That's too big of a sentence to write down because he warned Noah. I believe he warned Noah and there were other people not warned. And that's scary because it makes God look mean. It makes God look picky and mean. How dare you say that he warned Noah, but he didn't warn everyone else? I think that there is a time when all of us will see God's uh, power together. The first plague, all of them, the, the Hebrews and the, the, the Egyptians, all saw the river full of blood. And they saw the frogs in everybody's business. And they saw the gnats. And they saw the flies. And they saw it and saw it and saw it. Everybody together saw what God did. And you want to think that God's people had eyes to see and that the Egyptians didn't. And the Egyptians were being punished and God's people were not. But what happened is while he was doing this, he was talking to Moses and he had Moses talk to the people, continuously talk to the people. Now, the people were watching it happen. And little by little by little, the people had eyes to see where the Egyptians did not. And then you see about midway during the plagues that God distinguished between his people. Suddenly, there was darkness only in Egypt and there was no darkness in Goshen. That's interesting to me. That means that God warned Noah. God warned Noah. And he warned him in such a way that Noah had something to put his faith into. So there was something that God said, and it was in God's words that Noah took seriously that that had something to do. What if God warned everybody and only Noah did something about it? Then Noah had faith and the other people didn't. There is where a lot of people would hate my guts. The idea that obedience is required before faith actually shows itself. Because you want to jump with Paul and say, no, I was justified by my faith. My faith made me right with God. And then James backs up and says, wait a second, you show me your faith by your words. I'll show you my faith by my life. I'll show you that I have faith by what I do because what you do has to do with what you truly believe. Your faith or your belief or your 
your reaction to something God said does something, causes something, moves in you to do something. And this is what had to do with Noah. So I truly believe that God's people are treated differently than people that are not God's. There is a great, great, great advantage to have a a young child truly turn to the Lord. There is a great advantage in their life. Their life will be spared from countless heartache and ruin. Countless. The ruin, God can save a person on his deathbed. God can save a person out of the out of the opium den. He can save them out of the out of the the prostitution and whatever you want to name. He can save you. But the idea that he can speak to you and warn you and you could actually be warned means that your life has so much more ability to, first of all, be thankful because you can see in your life that God is doing something and then your your thanksgiving translates into love and that love translates into obedience and that obedience can be seen by other people and that can have an effect on other people it can have an effect on the people that you love and want to have an effect and can also have effect on people that you don't even know and never thought about that you could affect someone else this is from psalm 25 the secret of the lord is with them that fear him and he will show them his covenant mine eyes are ever towards the lord for he shall pluck my feet out of the net God will show his people his secret because that's something that God is getting glory for, that God's people is seeing something that nobody else to see. It's really hard when we read passages like we did in Matthew and Jesus is speaking parables knowing that almost everybody that's hearing him is not just not understanding him, but, it's, but God said, I'm speaking so that they won't understand you're like, what? Why wouldn't you want him to understand? And he said, you have eyes to see. You have ears to hear it. I want you to hear. I want you to hear what God has for you. But most of these people have already closed their hearts. They've already closed their eyes. They do not want it. And when they hear God's word, it means nothing to them. It just bounces off their forehead and goes into the into the space. And wow, I don't like that. I want, I want to be fine no matter what happens. But God says, no, I'm going to warn you. And that warning is going to do something in you. And that something is going to cause you to do something, and that's faith. Then something will happen as a result of your faith. The just lives by faith. They live by faith. You want to live and not die? It's a faith issue. It has nothing to do. It is what God said. Do you take it seriously? Do you even care? Is there something in you that you want to respond to that? Do you believe it's true? Because most people do not. Most people do not. He was warned of something that had never happened before. Until that day, it had never rained ever. The water came up from the ground and the dew watered the plants. It had never rained. If you think of rain and how just how dramatic rain is and how terrifying that would have been for the first people to see it, well, then you rec- recognize, what do you mean we live We live in a in a in a flat plain in the middle of nowhere that it's never rained before and the plants are watered by the dew and you want me to build a ship big enough to house two of every animal on the world? What kind of faith would that require? It had never happened before. That meant God warned him and Noah took it seriously. There is no other explanation to the saving of his house. This is Isaiah 26. Come, my people, 
enter into thy chambers and shut the doors about thine and hide thyself as it were for a little moment until the indignation be passed. Because I am going to, I am going to rage. I am going to show fury and wrath over the things that I deserve to do it. That God, God wouldn't even be God if God did not judge this world. He would not be God. He would be cruel that he would allow the things that are going on this minute in this world, things so heartbreaking, so utterly appalling and horrific that you couldn't even imagine that they're happening. And God above, who can do anything he wants, is letting it happen. If God were not, God would not be God if he would not judge. And he said, I'm going to judge, and it's going to be awful. It'll be the most horrific thing you've ever seen. You hide yourself. Hide yourself, my people, until my indignation is over. And you have to then say, now that you've seen that, you're in a crisis. You now have something to do. That has to be reacted to. You either just say, oh, yeah. How many people think that, that a church is for little children? And as long as you're seven years old, I'll let you go with somebody who will come and get you. But other than that, it's for little kids. It's not for people like me. Because they do not believe that God, what God has said is true. They truly don't. Because if God says, I will judge this world in righteousness, and you don't believe it, then you will act as though God did not say, I will judge this world in righteousness, or you don't believe that it's true. Because if it's true, something will happen. If it's true, are you seriously thinking that that's true? If so, something has to be done. If you truly know something is done, it will cause fear. And that fear will prompt you to do something. So the first thing that I wrote down is true faith is always rooted in a promised work of God. Something that he promised to do, something that he promised to be. And then if you truly believe it, you will react to it. So this is the story. This is the Noah's story. And Lord willing, today I'm going to talk about Noah's faith. Next Sunday I'm going to talk about the flood. I'm going to talk about the promised work of God that God promised and the ark of safety that he provided for the ones that were prepped for it. So this is uh, chapter 6 and verse 13. God said to Noah, the end of all flesh is come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood, rooms thou shalt make in the ark, and shall pitch it within and which out, out with pitch. And this is the fashion with which you shall make it of. The length shall be 300 cubits, and the breadth 50, and the height 30 cubits. A window shall you make in the ark, and a cubit shall you finish it above, and the door of the ark thou shalt set in the side thereof, with a lower, second, and third stories thou shalt make it. And behold, even I do bring flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life from under heaven and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee I will establish my covenant when thou come into the ark, thou, thy sons, thy wife, and thy sons' wives with thee. Now tell me which human being that you've ever met, including yourself, could not simply just dismiss that. That is too big. That is too, too uh, above my pay grade. Like, that's too much. I must misunderstood you. What does that mean? What, what does that imply? When Jude then talks about uh, Noah, he said that he was a preacher of righteousness. 
that he preached for 120 years while he was making this boat with people mocking him. What are you, what's a boat for? We don't even have any water. That doesn't even make any sense to us. What are you doing, you crazy idiot? But something was true of Noah that was not true of his scoffing neighbors, and that is he believed God was going to destroy the world. He believed it because God told him so. God, by faith, Noah being warned of God. That's what it said. Because he was warned, he took that seriously. So Noah's faith was not on his own reasoning. It wasn't his own understanding. You know, lean not unto your own understanding. But it was on God's promises and revelation that God shared with him. Something that was true that was going to happen, same as if it had happened already. This is Romans chapter 10. How then shall they call on him that they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him that they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach without being sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them which preach the gospel of peace and bring good tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith the Lord, who's re- believed our report? So then, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You will not have faith except by something that God said. You will not have faith simply by a sticker or a bumper sticker. You will not have faith because it is the cute little thing that people say. You don't have faith. It is something that God said that you believe is true. And when you take God at his word and that causes something to happen in you, it's an evidence of the life that you have in you. That's evidence. Otherwise, you will hear it and meet and do nothing with it. And that's also evidence of your life or not life. Your life or not life is evidence based upon what you do with something that you believe is true that God said, even if it's audacious, even if it's never happened before, such as, I will destroy this world by fire and every element will melt with the fervent heat thereof. That's what, it, that's what God is threatening, that, that he, his indignation is upon the people of this world and their unrighteousness who've taken the truth and called it a lie and lived their life in unrighteousness, God will judge. You then do something with that. There is not a Christian ever that did not come to the idea that I am damned before God, that I have offended a holy God and that something must be done about it. And that holy God's judgment was shared with you. God warned Noah. He warned Noah, and he warned his people to, to hide. He warned them to hide. And that is something that either you do it or you don't do it. You either put the blood on the door and hide in the door, or you say, oh, it didn't happen, and see what happens to you. Your faith will determine your outcome because the just live by faith. His faith was rooted in God's character, trustworthiness, and revealed in his word. So the second thing I wrote down is true faith causes an inner reverence of God. Now, if you look at his building the ark to the saving of his house, that's external. That's something you can see. I can see that in your life. You can see that in my life. That's an external, something happened that I can look at. That's James's idea of faith. You say you have faith, I'll show you my faith by what I do. So God can see my heart. He knows whether I'm alive or not. He can see whether I'm faithful or not. But you can't. If you look at me, the only thing you can see is the things I do. And why would I do such a thing if I did not have faith to do it? It's an evidence to you that you have a brother, 
That's, that's an evidence to you. But in order to have an external uh, out, outward show of an obedience, something had to happen to him first. So if you go back to Hebrews 7, it's, or 11, 7, it says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear. Moved with fear. Something happened on his inside that then later happened on the outside. Something inside him changed first. He had a reverence of God first. Now fear, fear is a word that we use in different ways. To be afraid of God you could say, you know, uh, true love casts out fear, and it does in, in a way. But fear is required, but you have to say, well, what does that mean? Do you fear God? Are you afraid of him? God said, don't be afraid of someone who can kill the body. Be afraid of someone who can kill the body and then send the soul to hell. That's who you'd be afraid of. So there is fear, and there is right fear. There is appropriate fear, real good fear, right? So, so a godly person hopes in the goodness of God, but fears the justice of God, both at the same time. It's not one or the other. But you can have fear that's not actually godly, right? So Psalm 2, uh, the psalmist says, uh, mix, mix um, trembling with your mirth. You want to be happy and joyful in Jesus? Fine. But there's respect also that you owe him. It, it, there's, it's both together. So not all fear is godly, and I believe that the godly fear that will prompt you to then do external faith, this is built slowly as you learn. Why do you think it, that, that people spend a lifetime knowing God, that you train up children over years and years and years teaching them about the Lord, teaching them the fear and admonition of the Lord? That's what you do. You train them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. What does that mean? It means you have to know a lot and a lot before you tr begin to trust. Okay, so the first thing, if you were, if you were to take my fear, do, I would have to say, okay, there's fear of punishment. There's fear of sinning. And then there's reverence. And I believe you would need to reverence God before then you would build an ark that took you 100 years to build it. Like I would need to reverence God. The idea that Joab would kill Absalom against David's wishes shows Absalom's heart. Shows him. You know what he is. He has no intent to, to honor the king at all. He's doing what he wants to do. But my reverence for God will then be interpreted by what I do and what I don't do. Because it's evidence of something that's real in me, not something that I'm applying to the outside of me. So the first one I wrote down is fear of punishment. I think that's necessary. You need to know that God will judge this world in righteousness, and there needs to be an appropriate fear of that. You, God is good, but he's not safe. You do not manipulate him. You don't manage God. You don't manage him. The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy. This is Numbers 14. Forgiving iniquity and transgression and by no means clearing the guilty visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation. That's terrifying, terrifying. That's the God you're talking about. He will by no means clear the guilty. And as long as I'm an idiot and think I'm not guilty, fine, I'm not worried. But when I come to my senses and realize, oh, I'm the one that's guilty, suddenly I'm like, he will by no means clear the guilty. And he will bring righteousness judgment, righteous judgment on this world, oh, that's more than I can handle. I just want to go to sleep. That's too stressful 
of a reality. And there's people that I, I tend to stay there. I tend to stay there. I truly believe that there's a God who will judge this world in righteousness. I true, truly believe it. And I, st- I stop there because I recognize that God is seriously God and I am not. And I'm, I, I worry about that. But then I say, no, the grace, the grace of God is more than just knowledge of his, of his judgment. There is something that's not just the justice of God because he's more than 100% just. He's 100% just, but he's also kind. And the kindness of God leads me to a point where I do not want to sin against him. Jonathan said something the other day that cracked me up. Said something about this, and he said, oh, I never want to sin again. I'm like, "How? me too, brother. That's just exactly what I had to say. It makes me not want to ever sin again. The idea that God would be so good, you tell me about his goodness and you tell me about his judgment, suddenly I have a richer understanding of God. That's why you, it's very rare that you can have someone truly trust the Lord in a few seconds. You need to lead them to the Lord as you teach them about who real God is according to only his word. This is Proverbs 8. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride, arrogancy, and the evil way, and the froward mouth do I hate. That's Solomon. To, the fear of God is to do something about it. Like, I don't want to sin against God. It's not just that I'm afraid of him. Like, I just tremble and cower. It's not, it's not the fear of God. There is a fear there. But it's more than that. I promise that every human being will, will fear and cower. But there won't be a time to recognize that the goodness of God made me not want to do something. But it goes even further. You have a reverence of God. A reverence is, is filial. It's the idea of a, it's reverence like a father to you, that you, that you respect them, that you love them, that you, that, you, that you fear them all at once, that there's something there. I, I just, I could have picked a billion places. I just picked Isaiah 6. In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And above it stood the seraphims, each with six wings. Twain he covered his face, twain he covered his feet, and twain he flew. And he cried one to another, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved, and the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So when you see that the greatness and the majesty of God added to the idea that he's kind, added to the idea that he's just, and you build all these hundred percents, that God is not a mixture of something. God is all these at once. And when you realize that it's this God that I fear, but I don't want to sin because he's kind, but I also see him as majestic. I I don't even know if we have a concept of majesty. Majesty is like your jaw drops when you know who you're looking at. Then suddenly now it's reverence. It's reverence that Noah had. Because it didn't say he feared. Go Go back to verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen yet, moved with fear. That's not the same as he, he, he feared. He was moved with fear. Something happened in him that he had reverence for God, that he took God seriously. God had weight with him, and he had more weight with him 
than the idea of, oh, I'm tired, or I want to watch television, or I want to do this, or I'm, why would I build a boat? We don't even have rain. I don't even know what he's talking about. I must have misunderstood. That's what, that's what people would do, would do. He was moved with fear. Um, when I taught down in <coughs> Hurricane, we had a, um, a windy day, and it was one of those wonderful windy days in March, full, full wind. And um, the, March is a bad, day, a bad time in school because March is a long way till Easter, and it's been a long time since Christmas, and the kids are about to kill each other and about to kill you. So, uh, so it was a pretty sunny day like this, but yet wind, wind, wind. You could hear the wind hitting the windows. And I pulled my kite off of the wall, and I said, come on, guys. It was a physical science class. I said, let's go talk about forces, and we'll fly this kite. So we went out into the field beside the school and we started flying the kite. And my goodness, if you've ever flown a kite on a real blustery day, it just immediately just jumps out of your hand and is in the sky immediately. It didn't, you didn't have to work at it at all. It was instant. And the kids squealed and everybody was like, oh. And all of a sudden, I looked at the sky and the sky was black and it was boiling. It was, I looked and then I looked and then I looked and I'm like, uh... Guys, come now. Right now, we're going in. Like, it was, it started, like, I started seeing what I should have seen immediately, which I didn't see. I'm like, it was windy. And I was out there, oh, this is fun, let's go fly. And all of a sudden, the sky was, like, going like this and boiling black. And I said, let's go in right now. And I went in, and while we went in the door, the alarms were flashing. The alarm was on, and the lights were flashing, and all the students were being hauled out of their classrooms into the hallway because we were under a tornado warning, like right now. And I'm like, we watched it come. And for three hours, we stood in the thing, and my kids were like, do you realize we were just outside flying a kite in a hurricane or in a tornado? And I said, yeah, don't tell anybody about that. God has to give you eyes to see, and sometimes it wakes you up. Sometimes you can live a life, and you're 60 years old, and you're like, what do you mean? I'm just now understanding what God has always said all the, uh, for eternity. I'm just now coming to see it. God gives you eyes. This is Ephesians chapter 1. Paul is writing that the wisdom of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. He's praying that. I want you to have that. I want you to see what God has for you, that you're not so daft that you would just live your life as though God never said what he said. It means something, and it means something very, very important to you. Do you remember, remember Rahab said, our hearts are melting because of you. We know that God is going to take over the city. We know that you're going to defeat us. Everybody's terrified. Nobody is, everybody recognizes that they're, that they're doomed. But Rahab did something that the neighbors didn't. She said, show me kindness. I know you will rule the city. When you come, will you save my father and mother and brothers and sisters and me alive? That's what she said. That's faith. Faith is not being scared because you know that God is going to destroy this world. That's not faith. That is pitiful, but it's not faith. Faith then does something and begs for mercy. Something happens on the inside and you recognize, I'm not safe. I need to go to God. The very one I've offended, I need to go to him. And it caused her to do something that everyone else was killed and Rahab inside her house was not. 
And when they found the ruins of, Rahab, when, ruins of Jericho back in the 40s, in the 20th century, the strangest thing they ever saw, the whole wall is completely gone, and there is one room standing. Now that, in terms of biblical archaeology, is one of the most astonishing things. It's still there. Her house is still there. And the rest of the wall was gone. And there is a one, one wall part with you can still see the window that she let the scarlet thread out. That's amazing. Because God said, okay, I take that as you were warned and did something to, to do it. To the saving of his house, Noah. To the saving of his house. The next thing I wrote very quickly is that faith always results in works. He, he built an ark to the saving of his house. It did something, and there was effects of that. That's important. You have to know. But that's where most people would stop, start and stop. He did something, and it did it. Wow, what an awesome faith. I wish I had faith. Ah. All of this stuff is built, and then it did something, and then there were effects. And then at the end, this is a lot of people. This is scary at the end. By the which he condemned the world. He condemned the world. Now, how did Noah condemn the world? He had faith, and the world didn't have faith, and you have to see it. It's standing and staring you in the faith. Noah did something with what he was told, and the rest of the world did not. And that is a contrast, and it condemned them. And everyone not Noah breathed water. Tell me that's not terrifying. Every one of them, besides Noah and his family, breathed water. Once. Very short time. His obedience condemned the world. This is Second Peter. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness, he reserved them to judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing the flood of the world on the ungodly, then what does he go on to say? If he did not spare the angels and he did not spare the world, will he spare you? And the answer to a faithful person is, no, I have to do something about this. I must do something about this. It must cause me to believe that God is saying what he's saying, and he really is saying what he's saying. He will judge this world in righteousness, and I'm not righteous. A, B, C. And it makes you do something. The last thing I wrote down is faith demonstrates true regeneration. We just talked about the new birth. We spent two weeks looking at Nicodemus and the new birth. This regenerate heart, something newborn, something live for the first time, something new. Faith shows that that happened. That is the biggest indicator that you are born again, is that there's faith that's generated from it. Faith, Noah's faith did not generate his righteousness. You have to know that. But it proved that he was righteous. Proved that he was regenerate. That God had born him again, and it caused him to do something. It born him again, and then God warned him, and then that warning took hold and he did something about it. Last one I wrote, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. That's what faith is. Now, Lord willing, next week we're going to look at the flood. We're going to look at what God had promised, the promised work of God and God's rescue through the ark of safety, which, spoiler alert, is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we want to say thank you for your warning to us and ask that you would give us uh, life that we might turn to you in faith and repentance. 
and that we might to the saving of our house. We thank you that you are gracious to the nth degree, and though you will do as you said, you will also um, provide mercy for those who cry out to you uh, for mercy, that those who knock will be answered, those who seek will find, and I ask that you would give us life to do that and, and breath to do it and energy to do it, and, and you will make our hearts love you. Would you do all of these things in your church, among your people, and among the lost? And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.